Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Mountain Aid Podcast. Before we get into the episode, if you haven't already, please take the time to leave a review on your respective listening platform. It really helps us help artists, which is the whole point of this entire thing. Anyways, we hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you again in two weeks. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, hey guys. Thanks for having me. My name is Rachel Catherine Allender. And I am the co-founder and CEO of Foundry Theater, which is a nonprofit based out of Huntington. We have a venue, which is City Hall in, in Huntington, where the mayor's office is and the city manager and where you go to like, I don't know, pay your taxes. So there's the basement of City Hall with a bunch of offices. And then there's the first floor. And then the second floor is a auditorium with a balcony and there's a stage and this summer we'd fundraised and we'd asked for money mainly from the city of Huntington. We're able to purchase the sound equipment necessary to facilitate any touring band that would be able to fill the auditorium and a screen that is permanently installed on the stage. And then like we press this button on a remote and this uh, 40 foot wide screen comes down And then um, we have a projection booth up on the balcony. And basically, we're a movie theater now. It's wonderful. It sounds amazing. We we can do films in surround sound, which real quick plug, and I will talk about it again. But King Cole's being screened there on August 19th. And it's mixed beautifully. And it's just wonderful. And you'll get to hear it in this theater on the 19th as part of the Appalachian Film Festival. Knowing that now that you have the sound set up for it, I bet it will oh, be so sexy. You have no idea. I guess <laughs> the, the sound in that it's awesome. It's gonna be cool. So, the idea for the foundry, where was it your idea, or how did you come to be involved with this? So, we were aware that the mayor was sort of looking for somebody else to manage that space, and it had been mainly just utilized as a rental space for dance groups, and then you know, like various pinning ceremonies and graduation things, but it hadn't, nobody was putting original programming up in the space or bringing things in. So there's a stand-up comic, a, well, he's all kinds of things, Nate Sesco. We put together a, like a business plan and we pulled together all of our resources around the state and the area of, hey, if we get this space, like, you want to work with us? Do you want to, what's your interest? Do you want to help fund it? And um, we presented this to, you know, the mayor and the the committee and we got picked. So Nate helped me establish it. And as you're aware, just does all kinds of things. So he kind of like, (laughs) he was like, peace be with you. And he introduced me to Emily Conzett, who is the COO of Foundry. And she is kind of, you know, like Nate, she's a jack of all trades and can do about anything. And then the things she doesn't know how to do, she, well, quite frankly, she knows how to read. So she figures it out. And it's... uh, uh, she's wonderful and amazing. So it's uh, Rachel and Emily, basically. And then we have Foundry has a board of folks that, you know, because we're a nonprofit, we have a board and they help us out and just, you know, trying so, to make it work. What was your background, if you don't mind my asking? Well, I'm classically trained as a public educator and I taught public school for a decade in the state uh, elementary and You know, I love teaching. I love being in the classroom with my students. A thing that I would always do with them, third grade was like my favorite grade to teach. Uh, um, And so you're you're writing in third grade. You're starting to read chapter books. You're learning your multiplication facts. But I would find contests 
writing contests and art contests specifically, those two. And as part of, you know, you have to write when you're in the class, you have to like do these things. And so I would choose assignments and it was always optional. Like you had to do the assignment for your grade, but then you had this option if your parents would fill out a form with you. Um, you have a, a wider audience for your work, not just Miss Allender sitting in your room reading your paper or looking at your piece of art. Um, I'm going to send it and you're going to have this broader audience of other adults. You know, sometimes they're going to be scientists or college professors or all these other people that will get to see your work. So let's try really hard. So we always had students placing in things and, you know, earning scholarships for the school and for themselves. And um, there was one year where my entire class, I got all of them to send a postcard to the governor's, I can't remember what it's called, but it was like, create a postcard to encourage people to visit West Virginia. So we did this. Every single one of them, except one student, got chosen to be displayed. And then we went to the Capitol for the teacher strike. And my students, I'm not even kidding, they were the ones beside of his office. Their postcards were right there. It was, it was very cool. So that's a really long response to what did you do before this? I did a really good job teaching and hopefully you don't get a bunch of angry listeners about this, but public school infrastructure in the state of West Virginia is absolutely pitiful. And if there's a listener out there that would like to talk to me about this, I have examples of misappropriating money that is given by Medicaid for devices and for hiring people for specific services that students need. And it just doesn't always happen. And it just like kind of sucked my soul out of me. And the government has a way of doing that. Dude. If and not via tax dollars, they will so Suck the life some other way it was like covid year was my last year teaching and then i got this position and i talked to my husband and i'm like I, I i'm not gonna make any money but can i do this instead of teach and love his heart he said yes so you know we're just working on biggering and then also we want to put on like amazing shows and film festivals and stuff but <laughs> Well, might I say, I think I first learned as a foundry whenever you all started back during the pandemic. And I was like, well, hold on a second. There is a theater in City Hall. I've lived here my entire life. Didn't know that that was there at all. And we'd always said, hey, so we've got the Loud, which is one size venue. We've got the Civic Center, but there's no real middleman that's being utilized actively. We realized that Keith Halby exists, but there's an opportunity for y'all to fill a void there, which is pretty cool. So you guys get this together. Do you have any history in organizing a nonprofit at all? <laughs> no. Or are you guys like beg borrowing and pleading for advice? That, yes. Um, no, I don't have a history with that. I have a, an English degree and a master's in elementary education. But, you know, if you sit down and you read and you surround yourself with intelligent people who know how to answer your questions or even this was the big thing like I was realizing very quickly I didn't even know what the questions were that I needed answered <laughs> so um, there's still a lot more to figure out a lot more organization but fortunately it has it just very organically stayed busy and there have been several months where we've got something booked every weekend and none of this is stuff that we're putting on it's all people who have come to us and they want to put on a show or they want to rent the space and we stay quite busy that has to feel good though it has to feel like hey we are doing something that people want it does feel good as you mentioned people came to you all you didn't have to go try to find these folks <laughs> how do you garner the trust of these people to say hey we haven't had a show here in however long come to it here well if you're talking about the public coming that's kind of hard because 
like you said earlier, I didn't even know that it existed. And that's our major hurdle, making sure everybody is aware. Like, how do you know to check a space to see if they've got a show you want to go to if you don't know the space exists? So we like, you know, keep things listed on the CVB. And, you know, we, we have our Facebook and our website and we keep it updated. Um, but there's still this issue of just people being aware that it is an option. And it's a cool option. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We've got the equipment that it sounds and looks great. It's a sober venue, which is really nice. You can bring kids to a rock concert. And like, I have a son, he's six years old, and I'm not gonna, I can't legally take him into a bar to see a gig. And so here's a spot where you can bring your children. You can be a child and perform. Like the Good Time Show is a variety show created by Michael Valentine out of Huntington. And one of the types of episodes that he puts on is the Good Time Mountain mamas and then they'll cover a particular artist so coming up next is bob dylan and if you're a child and you want to sing a bob dylan song get a hold of us and send us a video like you have an opportunity to be on that stage and to perform for people and it's nice it does all of that it feels really wonderful it would feel a little more wonderful if i got to share how beautiful it is (laughs) With, you know, more of the public. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, I think you're on your way to doing it, at least. Because, as you mentioned, you have things going on constantly. What are some of the ongoing, regularly scheduled things you guys do right now? As I just mentioned, the Good Time Show and... We have consistently had episodes of the Mountain Mama show, and then we've had, there's a podcast episode, and we've done one of those. And so it was just our voice actors up on stage in front of mics, even like with their scripts, and then Michael Valentine and Kyle Quinn doing the sound effects. So it's like live Foley artists up on the stage. And so you're seeing all of it. It's just really cool. And we had our first Good Time Kids show, which was like a live sketch comedy kind of thing almost like written for children children were on the stage it was interactive like the children had to help the characters you know get off of this planet and fix their spaceship and you know like playing games and playing music it was just really neat and cool and then every year there's the good time christmas show which is the biggest good time show production it's did either if you happen to catch last year's the good time christmas carol well my favorite wrestler death falcon zero played the ghost of christmas future and tim ear my favorite news anchor played ebenezer scrooge and got body slammed into his coffin by this wrestler we had dave lavender playing ghost of christmas present and we um set up this uh big beautiful chair with all this fruit and foliage and like wheel him out on this platform while he's singing and the carpenter ants are the live it's just so cool (laughs) i keep saying we and i you know it's happening again this december so get your tickets now (laughs) (laughs) so you earlier referenced so you said it's just emily and i how do you all do all this? Is it just y'all coming up with all these ideas or? Well, Michael Valentine is the genius behind all of the Good Time Show stuff. And so that is him. And so I include myself in this we when talking about the Good Time Shows because, you know, Emily and I are involved in it. So you guys have done a lot of updating to the space. Is that something that you all have a vision for? You think, hey, I would like to have film festivals here. I'd like to have a better music quality so we can have better bands come in is that a vision that you guys have together or is that the board saying hey we've got this much money how would you like to spend it or 
I guess it's both. You know, Emily and I want the space to just be ready to roll. When it first started, you know, we're borrowing sound equipment or we're renting it or we're getting a donation. Man, early shows were really were a lot more expensive to produce because we had to bring all of these things in and hire people to bring them in. And and now like we need to hire a sound technician and man's got to bring their gear up, but like we're ready to go. And then same with the movies, we have a projectionist and it's an art to, you know, making sure everything looks good and sounds good and it's lined up and everything, but um, we're, we're ready. We're set for it. You know, Early on, did you have to maybe turn some acts away because you just weren't quite ready to accommodate them yet? Or Yeah, and we, we still have that. Sometimes we're not ready to accommodate because we don't have the infrastructure to promote something huge. And it's expensive to get attention or we don't have the funding to, you know, there have been several acts that approach us and they're like, here's the deal. You get all of the tickets, this and this. The show costs $12,000. And we're like, uh, keep us on your list. We're not there yet. (laughs) But one of the things we started this thing and we just had our one year anniversary this summer. It's called Open Screen. So it's like open mic, but it's for film projects and it's free to submit and we'll watch it and make sure you're, you know, not hate speech or something, but we'll screen it and then it's free to attend. And sometimes we'll get Marshall students come in. There's one guy that'll always take notes and then give feedback on it or asking questions. It's just, it's really neat. And then it's over and we talk and people leave having met somebody that also works on film that they didn't know before or just got to see a project. We had one of my board members, Perry Casto's daughter um, is in, oh gosh, I don't know what grade she's in, but I think ninth. She made a film and screened it and got to like attend with her parents and like she had a film screen in Huntington, West Virginia. Like, <laughs> Which is cool and like whenever I was coming up I don't know of anywhere that I could have done that and had it screened and maybe received some feedback and then whenever you're coming up and you're a kid you say hey this is like part of what we do here that changes the trajectory and may pile more people on that wagon, I feel like, which is awesome. Has the turnout for those been pretty good thus far? The best attended one we've had so far, I think we're about 40 folks. 40 sounds like a pretty good number. Yeah. And, you know, the buy-in is like, come watch some movies in the space you've never been to before and that you maybe not know about, but it'll only get better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So amongst the many other shows, you guys are bringing back the Appalachian Film Festival. Boy, howdy. Who, what, where, and why did, did that happen? So Sam St. Clair and a few other people in 2003 started the film festival. It ran until 2013. I think by the time it was done, you know, they're selling out the Keith Albee. And it's been dormant for a decade. And Michael Valentine was like, hey, you got this space. Why don't you restart the film festival? Yeah, just restart it. No big deal. You just like restart it. Come on. So introduced me to Sam St. Clair. And I asked and he said, yeah, sure. And Sam has been a huge sponsor of the festival, both fiscally and just his resources, his contacts, his knowledge of having done it. He attends all of our meetings and just has been holding our hand through it. And then Emily and I sat down and we were like, who are some folks in Huntington? We need folks from the university. We need, you know, folks from the media, filmmakers. Who are the people that we could get together to, you know, help us do this as correctly as possible. And we got a group of people that come and that help us out and answer our questions and take on some of the tasks. And it is so much work. And it is, it's exciting. I I can't believe that we've got King Cole screening. I'm just like... 
It's huge. It's it's very exciting. I'm I'm glad that that's going to bring a bunch of people up into our space. And then I'm really glad that like everybody that's coming, they get to see it. You know, like it's just it's neat. It's fun. So we uh, it just kind of like made up how we do it. You know, it's like, well, what are the categories and how many trophies and how many hours and how many days? And there are all kinds of things to decide about it. Like, what does it mean, the Appalachian Film Festival? Does that mean if you make a film in Hong Kong about North Carolina, can you screen that at the Appalachian Film Festival? What does Appalachia mean? (laughs) So we established the rules. Like, your film needs to have been created because of individuals who have a a geographic tie to the contiguous counties of Appalachia. (laughs) So broad. (laughs) (laughs) Half the eastern seaboard. (laughs) Yes. So, And then we decided four categories, music videos, student, under 40, and over 40. And so music video portion is screened at the loud on the Friday, that Friday of the weekend. And so what days is it going to run? Friday, August 18th, the loud music videos. So if you're listening to this, not the Friday coming up, but the Friday after you've got plenty of warning go. Absolutely. And then Saturday is we will screen the remainder of the selected films, which will be the student category over 40 and under 40. And when we have finished screening those films, eight o'clock, we will screen King Cole. How many submissions did you get? Uh, We got a total of 90 submissions. Dude. Thank you. (laughs) That seems like a lot. Yeah, it, yes. Do you recall, like, who was the the furthest away or how large of a a swath were you getting folks applying from? Well, we definitely got some films that didn't have any tie to Appalachia, and they were disqualified. Guess what? (laughs) Shoot your shot. Apply for everything. Yeah. (laughs) So it was was free to submit in the student category, and there were probably close to 20 films that clearly somebody just like got on film freeway and they looked for free festivals and they're just submitting to all the free festivals and so when you submitted there was a form you needed to fill out like what's your connection to appalachia and you know theirs were left blank and then i send an email i'm like oh hey what's your connection to appalachia and they don't have one so they got disqualified but they didn't like pay or for it or anything it's just for you to say hey i have no like formal training in this to even know to put these offers on film freeway hats off to you for like doing your due diligence and figuring this out because it clearly you're not an idiot and you're putting a lot of effort into this you know i mentioned the foundry board and then this you know board that we've put together for the film festival and you know the community of huntington has just like been very beautiful and welcoming and they wanted this to happen because we have people who they're aware of what we're doing and they will take our phone calls or or, or go buy us lunch and and answer like the 35 questions that we have scribbled in our notebooks and it's you know at um we've gotten a lot of support from the city from the mayor from um i want to give a shout out to margaret mary lane who is a consultant in huntington and she has just i think she probably knows everything she holds like a janitor's key ring of all art keys i've never met her but it's like she's a wealth of knowledge she's very fun and knowledgeable and i really appreciate her and she's helped us a lot dude but if you've got two people that are willing to show up for a lunch with their notebooks with questions those are the people you want to help so you've got all these submissions you weed through a couple kick a few out for having no ties etc how many made the cut to be screened on friday and saturday i guess well excuse me 
This is privileged information. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I will. Okay. So we have eight hours worth of films that we will be screening before King Cole starts. We've, We've got a lot of content. And because of the time, the literal hours necessary, you know, like everything that I want to screen doesn't get screened. And well, it's not really up to me. Uh, It's not up to me, period, because I didn't want it to be. That didn't seem right. So we'll get you hate mail from filmmakers, (laughs) teachers. Uh, Who else can you piss off? We we figured out an algorithm and, you know, uh, it's opinions. It's people's opinions. And it's like we solicited pre-screening committee folks. And so every film that didn't get disqualified gets an initial screening by two people and they they score it. And then if there's a huge discrepancy in their score, then we have an additional person screen it and try to get our numbers a little bit more reasonable with that. And then past that, we have anonymous judges because we don't, you know, want them to get any kind of hate mail themselves. They can just send all the hate mail to Rachel, but we've got our anonymous judges who will pick the films that get a trophy. And so Blinko Glass, uh, we were talking about Milton earlier, some Milton boys over here. Blinko Glass is so cool. I can't even believe that it exists. Like um, there's a guy in the Appalachian Film Fest board that works there, Alex Burdett. He helped us secure like a sponsorship from Blinko to get the trophies. And he made a comment one day that like, you know, I go to work in a like a time machine and it's like you get in there and it's like, oh, so it's like 1940. 40? Like, what? It's so cool. It's so neat. I, like, there are a million places like that in West Virginia. You were just like, huh? huh? <laughs> Almost like the Foundry Theater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I set you up for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got Blingo trophies that will be awarded to who our judges and our pre-screeners have determined to be the best films. And then they're being presented to you by Michael Cerverus. And I'm very excited about this. I've met him over the phone, reached out to him, asking him if he wanted to participate in the film festival. He agreed. And I'm a little starstruck. I don't know if I should not say that or if it's too dorky, but I'm just very excited that he's coming in for this festival that Emily and and our village have decided to get going again. And at one point on Saturday, we get to just watch Michael Cerverus and Elaine McMillian Sheldon have a conversation with these two incredible like Appalachian film folks and we get to watch them hang out and talk about it like I don't know it's cool no it's cool because otherwise if you weren't doing it that would never be a thing yeah like ever um I just picture whenever you guys are sifting through all these you know scoring them like wait that one didn't score you didn't score this one higher was there was there any confrontation with it Um, if not can you lie about it and tell me that like dave lavender took a knife to the spleen or something yeah there were several like horrible brawls that occurred because of you know scoring and we really try to make sure people bullied got bullied into scoring things the way i wanted them scored because it's mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Like, yeah. uh, we really tried to set it up as, as fairly as possible and like getting people who, you know, claim to be film aficionados and who love film and passionate about it. Okay, give us these, just what, what's your feeling? These are the things that we want you looking for. Tell us about that. And just tr- trying to keep it as mathematical and anonymous as possible. Because I, I do. I want it to be fair. And I can't start a film festival and then just show my favorites. Because, well, no, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to rename it. Uh, Lord. The Rachel's Appalachian Film Festival. <laughs> 
Dude, so you guys had the screening on Friday for the music, and you've got a whole dang day's worth on Saturday. Add this to sat that Sunday, so Friday, August 18th, Saturday, August 19th, and Sunday, August 20th is the full weekend of the festival. And on the 20th, Dave Lavender and the West Virginia Film Office helped us get Mickey Fisher, who's a screenwriter from Ironton. He's going to come and give us sort of like a screenwriting workshop. Oh, yeah, that's I know. awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So we, you get to like eat lunch with him and like, you know, drink a beer or a iced tea or whatever and have an industry professional who is coming back to our community to just talk to us, tell us about it. And, you know, honestly, like Michael and Elaine are kind of doing the same thing, like their willingness to participate and just share with us their time and their knowledge and just being present, I think is so huge. And again, like it has been gone for 10 years, like they don't have any idea if seven people are going to show up or, you know, 700, which we have the seats for 700 people. So get your tickets now. Okay, so it ends on Sunday. Do you have any expectations for it at all? Man, out of all the things that I'm thinking about and getting together, I hadn't really considered what to expect. (laughs) Whenever you you went um, to Sinclair and said, hey, let's bring this thing back, you're like resurrecting somebody's child basically because they closed it and probably stopped for a particular reason was it hard to coerce them into bringing it back no sam's an interesting guy and the reason he stopped is he just he didn't have the time like he chose to give the time that he was putting into the festival to his family and that's totally respectable and he was excited that we were interested in doing it from the get-go it was like Yes. What do you need? When can we follow up? Let me come look at the space with you. Uh, These are some things that need to happen first. Uh, This was my experience with it. And things like you brought up Film Freeway, like Sam's last year of running the festival. um, DVDs. That's how you submitted a film. And so you have one physical copy of a DVD and then you have to get it to X number of people and they have to watch it and then they have to give it back to you. And I remember that being one of the things he was just like, he wasn't trying to talk me out of it. He was just like, you don't even know how much work that is. And Film Freeway makes it really easy because it's just People submit the films online. If I get your email address and you create a simple login, I assign you a film. You can watch it from wherever. You can watch it on your mobile device and then you can score it on your mobile device. So there there are some logistical things that have changed since Sam has had it. But, you know, there's still so much that he already established having created the festival. And he has just he's been very very helpful every step of the way. Yeah. Actually, I called him the other day and he was in a tree <laughs> cutting down branches in a tree and he answered my phone call to like give me some info I needed about the film festival. <laughs> so he's, to answer your question, very supportive. <laughs> God, sounds like it. Risk life and limb to, to answer your questions. Dude, commitment. Limb, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Dude, uh, so you guys have, in comparison to when you started, you had no track record. Now you've got some shows to point people to and say, hey, we've done this, this, and this. Now you've got this festival that's been resurrected. Are there other things that are kind of on your radar that you're looking to maybe scoop up or bolster to bring back maybe? So since we've had the space, I, I'm really interested what has happened up there. Digging through all the things that, you know, we inherited when we took over the space, I found some boxes with some 
you know, 35 millimeter photographs of different dance things happening. And there is a a photograph in City Hall of the 1937 flood where individual taken from the back of the auditorium and it's uh, a bunch of people are drying their clothes on the seats, like the same seats that are still in there. It's very neat. So I've got that one very old photograph and then, you know, some more modern stuff from the 90s. But I don't really know exactly what went on up there. Supposedly part of the, I think it was called the Saturday Night Jamboree that happened in Huntington in the 50s. A lot of it, I think, was filmed in the news studio, but supposedly some of it was filmed and some of it happened at the auditorium. I'm not sure about that. There's only one video online of the Jamboree that I can find and none of it takes place in our auditorium, but Paul Calicote that owns Route 60 Music, you know, talking to him recently, and he saw the first edition up there. And so that's the rock band that Kenny Rogers played bass in before he became, you know, sexy country legend. And I had no idea that that had happened up there. Um, So like Paul being this music guru in the county, you know, he's like sold anybody, anybody that's like plays music around here is like, you know, he's sold them strings and straps and gear. And one of his first and monumental music experiences happened in that space. It's just very cool and exciting to me. When you're digging through these boxes where you're like, I don't know if I should be the one that's responsible for these items. Like, should this go to some museum? Should this not. I had on these white pristine gloves and masks. We had on like these suits like they wore when they were like, you remember in E.T. when they had to come into the house at the end? We had all this stuff set up because I really want to preserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so where is all this stuff now? The uh, dumpster the behind dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> In a landfill, I don't know. Deets Hall. So back to the film festival, all over the place here. Friday night, when we finished screening the films, the music videos at the Loud, we're going to karaoke, which I'm very excited about. And Eric Wilson will be our MC for the night, and he's also very excited about that. And um, when I was talking to him about this, he was like, you know, he's been an actor for, uh, I don't know, 21 years or so. The first acting he ever did was on that stage. And I just... I, I love I love these stories. I love getting them. Um, anybody that's got some, come find me and tell, tell me your story and share me your photographs because I'd like to know the history of it. I know there's a lot of digging I could go do in some archives at Marshall, but don't quite have the time right now. You would to need do a third that. person to allow for that to occur. I <laughs> yeah, feel like at least. I guess overall, five years from now, Nick Cave. Who's that? I want to bring Nick Cave to Huntington. I don't believe he's ever played in West Virginia. He's from Australia. But you immediately said Nick Cave. I want Nick Cave. I want to bring him to Huntington. Right now, (laughs) mathematically, according to his um, most recent data, I would have to charge $350 for every ticket. Yeah, girl, I ain't having it. Uh Uh-uh, it's not. (laughs) And I don't want to do that. I want to bring Nick Cave, and I want people who want to see Nick Cave to be able to afford to see Nick Cave. So um, I got some work to do on that. But uh, Nick Cave, if you're listening, call me. (laughs) (laughs) You got a better chance of uh, getting everybody to pay $350 a ticket (laughs) than him listening to this, unfortunately. But so do you guys just have like a list on your phone? Like you're driving, like, wait, that person someday here. Then you like put it on your list. Um, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) Just these fleeting thoughts that come and Uh, leave. No, we've got our dreams. Honestly, I want to fill up the auditorium when Valentine has a show. Like they're good. 
and a lot of work and energy goes into it. And yes, I want Nick Cave, but I, I want the, the local artists who work their butts off to sing to 800 people. And that's how you know you got the right person doing it because you want the, the local people to get their cut, man. That's cool, I think. Um, all right. So something we try to ask everybody is, do you have any local folks you think everyone should know about from an artistic perspective, I would say? So this this actually kind of bleeds into a project that I'm working on for spring of 2025. There's a guy, he's passed away. He wasn't born in West Virginia. He was born in Texas, but he lived some very formative years in the state of West Virginia. And a lot of his recordings were recorded when he lived in West Virginia, but his name is Daniel Johnston. You familiar? Mm-hmm. Okay, sweet. So I um, I got permission from his estate to do the Hi, How Are You mural in the city of Huntington. And I have a space for it. There's a, a building owner who's given me permission. Now, there are other steps that have to, other I things have, have to happen. That. that is great. <laughs> um, I, anyway, I want to do a big Daniel Johnston event. I want to screen the film, the, the Devil and Daniel Johnston. I want to book some musicians who are relevant to Daniel Johnston. And um, yeah. Hey, that's cool. Thanks. When we start working on this mural, you guys going to come paint a little bit? Listen, that's two years away. We'll just be standing there waiting to start, but we can't because you didn't show up because you didn't remember this conversation. <laughs> yes, but you tell me you remind me and I owe you one anyway. So, all right, all so right. we'll do that. All right. So where can everybody get more information about the theater? Where can people buy their tickets? Most importantly, www.foundrytheater.org. Just kidding. Uh, our website, accent. <laughs> our website, foundrytheater.org. Uh, we have social media presence as well. We'd love if you are going to come to an event, you know, check in on Facebook and let people know and, you know, sharing things. It's really helpful when people do that and, you know, liking things, etc. <laughs> we need help with just making sure everybody's aware of what we're doing. But yeah, tickets for sale on our website. And all right. Anything else you want to put out in the world? I'll probably think of something very clever when I'm driving back, but uh, I think I think we've covered a lot of things. Hey guys, thanks again for making it to the end of the episode. We hope you learned something new about the artists. More than anything, please go out and help support their work. We know they'd appreciate it more than they can tell you. Again, want to say thank you to Darren Hackward for allowing us to use his song Hurricane Season as our intro and outro music. And lastly, if you want to get a hold of us, reach out to us on our various social media platforms or via our website, which is linked in the show notes. At any rate, we'll see you all again in two weeks. Thank you again.